is our week in the Weege. Hello and welcome to Week in the Weege. I'm Natalie Crawford. And I'm Selena Jackson. This week in the Weege... Our reporter Paul Kelly secures an exclusive interview with the man who released the only person ever convicted of the Lockerbie bombing 30 years on from the atrocity. We're joined by our political editor Alan Smith to discuss this week's Brexit developments. Glasgow City Council's Code of Good Practice for Buskers is met with mixed reviews. And does the language we use put mums off venturing into the world of business? All that and so much more on this week's Week in the Weege. A very warm hello to you and welcome to Week in the Weege. I'm enjoying this Week in the Weege, are you? Oh aye. I'd have preferred it if it was Week in the Wedge. Aye, or a Week in Barbados. This is a Week in the Weege. So how are you feeling today, Natalie? (sighs) Not great. Why is that? Because last night it was the Radio Clyde Christmas party. It was wonderful and the Prosecco was flowing. I came into a lot of tired faces today, if if that (laughs) summarises it quite well. I wasn't there, I was here last night. So I came in and I was like, coffee everyone, what can I do? (laughs) Um, Selena is known as various different things here at Clyde HQ. (laughs) The Night Watchman and the Coffee Fairy are my two absolute favourites. Every single day she comes in and she's always got lovely, nice coffee for us. And she's just an absolute delight. And today it was welcome more than than anything I could possibly tell you. We've been for McDonald's today (laughs) because we needed Stodge to just absorb the, the remaining... Think, traces of last night I think before I even asked how everyone was feeling I went over to make the coffee obviously turned around looked at the bin and the fact it was just overflowing with McDonald's cartons kind of answered my question yeah. before I even had to get there it's reassuring that it's not just me everyone is in the same boat today and it was a wonderful night it's so nice just to get together with your your colleagues at Christmas obviously you weren't here there but you were holding the fort I was there in spirit yeah you were facilitating it which is the most important thing and I think today is probably the day everyone's like well at least we work in radio absolutely and an update for everyone who listened last week we came second in the Clyde Pod Christmas decorating competition we just narrowly lost out to programming but it was wonderful and the office looks wonderful I'm not happy about it <laughs> not better no I'll, I'll admit programming knocks it out of the park yeah absolutely I, I think we knew deep down that they were going to take the victory with that but I will accept second place and all the Kit Kats that came with it <laughs> other chocolate brands are available <laughs> a week in the Weege Now on to something a bit more serious. The only man ever convicted of the Lockerbie bombing, Abdel Bassa al-Megrahi, was released from prison in 2009, having served just eight years of a life sentence for his part in the attack. The decision was taken by Kerry McCaskill on compassionate grounds after McGrahy was diagnosed with terminal cancer. But in an exclusive interview for Scotland's Talkin', the former Justice Secretary says he was under pressure from the British and US governments due to trade deals in place with Libya. And despite his decision, Mr McCaskill says he has no doubt Libya was behind the bombing and that McGrahy was involved. Those who think that Mr McGrahy is some choir boy, I've always disagreed with. Mr McGrahy was a Libyan agent. He was a senior Libyan agent. He was head of security for Libyan Arab Airlines. Gaddafi ran a 
regime that was, you know, a family business based around a tribe. Megrahi didn't happen to just come into Malta by accident. He was there by design. I don't think anybody thinks he was the bomber. Nobody, I think, suggests that. But to suggest that he just happened to be caught up in circumstances beyond his knowledge, it's just incredible. This is a man who flew to Malta on a false passport, apparently with no luggage, wouldn't say why he was initially there, came up with some spurious excuse months later. He was involved, albeit I don't believe that he actually had the capabilities of making the bomb, but he certainly wasn't there by chance. Former Justice Secretary Kenny McCaskill talking exclusively to Paul Kelly there. Pan Am Flight 103 exploded in the skies above Lockerbie on the 21st of December 1988, crashing down onto the town, destroying homes and changing lives forever. This week marks the 30th anniversary of the tragedy in which 270 people from 21 countries died. It's a week in the Ouija. So we have avoided talking about it for long enough here on Week in the Ouija and I think it is time we try to tackle Brexit. So we are joined by some reporter royalty today. Um, (laughs) Our reporter, our political correspondent, Alan Smith, is in Holyrood. Alan, welcome to Week in the Ouija, first of all. Royalty. I know. I feel so special. You Thank you are for that. special. You. The, the king of everything Brexit for Clyde <laughs> News. So what what has been happening this week? Help us get our head round this. Oh, well, it's a heck of a subject to get your head round. Um, so I'll try and keep this as simple as possible. You've done well not to discuss it so far on Week in the Week. So uh, fair play to you. It's been purposeful. We've been trying to avoid yes. it, but it's getting to the stage now where we it's just unavoidable. It's dominating right? everything. Absolutely everything. I'm sure folks will hear it every single news bulletin as well. So last week, obviously, we were supposed to have that vote on Theresa May's deal. Um, that was due to take place on Tuesday of last week and it all got cancelled yeah. because she knew she was going to get defeated in the Commons quite badly. So she took it back off the table and then there was this big vote on her future as the Tory leader. And then she went back to Europe to try and get some more assurances from the EU about her deal and a bid to try and win over some of her party colleagues. And now we know that they've restart, they're going to restart the debate. So if you've not heard enough already... Um, next <laughs> month, when we all come back from our festive breaks, they're going to restart the debate in full and then they're going to have the vote on it uh, middle of January. So that's something we can all look forward to over the Christmas break. We can look ahead to that. So there's just absolutely no chance of this going away anytime soon then, is there? Absolutely not. I mean, this week has been has been something ridiculous as well. And, you know, I know it is pantomime season, but, um, you know, Prime Minister's questions yesterday, there was the... Jeremy Corbyn and Theresa May going at each other over Brexit. And then it all turned when apparently Jeremy Corbyn mouthed the words stupid woman as oh, he sat down. Yeah. So this this was, you know, they have their usual weekly exchanges and it all gets very heated some weeks, especially this week, you know, with everything going on with Brexit. And we're now at the stage where we're so close to the, the deal being voted on or not being voted on in the House of Commons that, um, you know, Theresa May... You know, cited off some pantomime lines at Jeremy Corbyn. Um, you, you know, he had toyed with putting in a motion of no confidence, and he wasn't going to put in this motion of no confidence. Then he did put in the motion of no confidence, and it got rejected. 
And, um, you know, so Theresa May was quoting all of that and, you know, talking about the people who weren't happy and basically saying, look behind you, you know, in pantomime fashion. Yeah. Uh, and at what, at what point he kind of mouthed his colleagues and everybody thought it looked like he said, stupid women. And this kicked off a whole a whole other debate, you know, after uh, Prime Minister's questions that then all focused on did he or didn't he or should he have to come back to the, the chamber and apologise for using that term, you know, to describe Theresa May. And the lip readers get rolled the, out the cupboard. They, they, and... they did. It was just spectacular looking at the Commons. You had John Berko, the, the Speaker of the House, who's, who's you know, keeping he's the referee really mm. in, the, in the whole thing. And you've got all these MPs standing next to him trying to show them their phones. They're, they're showing him their phones. Like, look, look, look at him. He is, it's like VAR in, in the House of Commons. Um, and he said, you know, I'll come back and look at it. And they actually did. They actually brought, you know, they, a very short notice. They got some lip speakers, as he called it. He says, we didn't get lip readers, we got lip speakers oh to look at goodness. this. So, you know, we've got all these, you know, I'm not saying this isn't an important issue, but we've got all these massive issues facing, you know, the country and, you know, MPs are getting themselves more so fired up over whether he said stupid women or stupid people, which yeah. he claims he said. He said, I said stupid people and not stupid women. He wouldn't do that. He's not misogynist. Um, and and that's basically, you know, that dominated the, the, the entire agenda yesterday. And, and, you know, you can understand someone in his position shouldn't say stupid women. Nobody no. really should in that but, whole, you know, in that in, in that situation, he at the moment, whatever, you know, he shouldn't, shouldn't say that. But then for the whole agenda then to turn to that particular moment, you know, a lot of critics of, of Jeremy Corbyn and Labour say, well, actually, what he did in that moment, in that he at the moment by, by mouthing those words, was he let the government and, and Theresa May off the hook from the, the 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 big issues that we're supposed to be talking about right now, the UK government set out its immigration plans for what happens after we leave the EU, and that's what they should have been talking about. That's what should have been topping all our news bulletins, all the news agenda everywhere yesterday. But instead, the focus was on, did he say stupid women or stupid people? Yeah, I, I was just going to say, it just seems to be one big distraction. Do you think maybe it's just that the politicians are also so fed up hearing about Brexit that they're just clinging to any little thing that they can to just stop talking about it for two minutes? Well, you know, it was it was interesting that when, when it was all kicking off yesterday after Prime Minister's questions, there was a comment from a, a Labour MP who, who, who thought that, the, you know, the, the comments about Jeremy Corbyn and the complaints that were being made, all these points of order, they, they likened it to an orchestrated riot so they, 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 it was like they, they were accusing opponents of, you know, playing up to this. So we're not talking about anything else. It's just like, let's talk about, the, let's make the agenda about this. Let's kick up such a fuss about this that we're not talking about anything else. Yeah. But, you know, it's just one of these subjects. We, we, we won't be able to escape Brexit. And, and, and I hate to break that news to, to you and everyone else that, you know, this is a, this is subject, it's here for years to come, you know, here at, Parliament, you know, I watch a lot of committees and, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And Michael mm -hmm. Russell, who's Scotland's Brexit minister, he, he was in front of committee the other day and, you know, he was asked about the timeline. You know, we're supposed to, to leave at the end of March and then there's this two-year transition period when things are supposed to fall into place until we finally leave the EU. And, and he was actually saying that, you know, that's very ambitious. So, you know, in, in Europe, they expect everything to be done and dusted, you know, by 2022 at the latest. But people here are thinking, well, that's very ambitious, and and that 2022 will we'll still be in 
this mm. and we'll still be talking about this and and you know and we will feel the effects of it for for generations so sorry to end it on that yeah. note. Sorry to, to to break that in such a fashion, but it is a subject we just we can't might, avoid. And we might need to give you a weekly segment at this rate. The Brexit roundup. Yeah, the Brexit weekly Brexit yeah. roundup. I'm well, sure that'll be a ratings winner. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us and trying to explain this all to us because I can't even begin to imagine. It's difficult enough for us to digest and we're following it every day what it's like for, for Joe Blogs on the street. Oh yeah, absolutely. I have I've, I've every sympathy for everybody trying to get their head around this subject. I have to try and look at it 24-7 and, and you know, even the people who are supposed to be on the inside, they don't know what's going to happen. They don't know exactly what's going on. So the people on the outside, we've got absolutely no chance. Alan Smith, thank you very much. Thank you. Our Week in the Weege. Now, a string of complaints from businesses on Glasgow's Style Mile has led to new rules for buskers. The guidance includes recommendations that performers don't stay in the same spot all day and ensure they have a wide selection of good quality material to play. Posters detailing the do's and don'ts for performers were put up around Buchanan Street earlier this week. Yeah, this is a strange one. So the local authority says it's published the Code of Conduct after complaints from businesses. They're fed up of buskers turning up with loud amps and playing the same few songs for hours on end. I went into Glasgow to find out what buskers actually think of this. Mary Jane has been on Buchanan Street for seven years. Not constantly. She goes home sometimes. <laughs> and, and she says she understands the frustrations of those who work there. If you work in a shop like that and you've got a busker sat outside your shop for about four hours, five hours, playing the same material over and over and over again, it can get really tiresome. Like, the public walking by enjoy it because they're only hearing a snippet of it. They're not stood there all day. It's just got to a point where it's not even, like, you can't even hear buskers anymore. It's just a wall of noise. If you walk down here on a Saturday, you'll have a busker every 50 metres or so, and it'll just be, like, a volume contest, and that can get really disruptive. At the end of the day, we're visitors on the high street. We don't live here. We don't work here. We busk here. We're visitors, so we should respect the businesses, but a lot of buskers have lost that. The younger generation that have came out to busk, they've lost all respect. But singer Ross Anderson says the move is unfair and they help the city by attracting tourists to the style mile. I don't like them because at the end of the day, the new rules aren't put in place yet, but for when they are put in place, it will not be good because at the end of the day, people are out here trying to make a living. I mean, um, well, providing a service to the, the city, you can do an hour here and then an hour somewhere else. It's just, it's no fair. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's fair. At the end of the day, it's always been normal in Glasgow for people to walk up the street and see a busker, you know what I mean, and now they'll try to stop this all of a sudden and people are getting sick of it. Had complaints, turn down, move, stuff like that, but as long as you cooperate with them, um, you're fine, I mean, they can't can't moan, but we we never don't cooperate with them, of course, if they tell us to move, we're away, that's it, Um, but end of the day, it's, it's normal, I like busking and I don't think it should be banned or anything like that, so. Especially when it's busier and stuff, you mean, you see them and the photo stops, they obviously enjoy it, I mean... Who are the council to say that that shouldn't be happening, even for a short amount of time or whatever they're trying to do? So Glasgow City Council says it respects the time-honoured tradition of busking and it's just trying to find a balanced approach which keeps everyone happy. Uh, This is really interesting. It's an interesting one. I don't really know which side I fall on because 
I was quite surprised to hear Mary Jane saying, yeah, I completely get this because I thought all buskers would think, no, this is unfair. This kind of goes against everything that busking's all about. But I I don't know. I like busking. I think it's supposed to be quite raw. I think that's kind of the beauty of it rather than, oh, you've got to stand here for X amount of time and play like this variety of songs. It kind of seems to take away a wee bit of the, I don't know. Yeah, I, I do. I do understand where both sides are coming from. And I think, you know, what Glasgow City Council have said about how they're just trying to find a balance between those two. And I, I do think I sympathise with them slightly. They are kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. You know, if you do work in a shop, you know, you've up and down the sale mile. I, I think some of them are obliged to keep their doors open. So if you've got a busker standing out there with an amp, it's turned up full and they're maybe playing the same four or five songs over and over again. I can understand why that would become so draining and tiresome. But also, I I love walking up and down Buchanan Street and um, Argyle Street and Sucky Hall Street, that magic Z that we have in Glasgow. And, you know, every kind of 50 metres or so, there's a a different busker playing a, a different song and it really adds to your enjoyment of being in the city centre. But, you know, walking past, you're only getting a 30 second snippet. You don't know if that's the fourth or fifth time they've played that song today. Well, that's the thing. I know, like you said, I, I used to work in one of the shops in the Style Mile and I, it never, ever bothered me, but it was one of the very big shops that had its own music playing inside and you just, you didn't even hear it because the shop was always so busy that it just wasn't even a consideration. But there are a lot of smaller, quite contained shops just metres away from that. And I, like you said, I can imagine that if there's one busker kind of planked outside playing the same sort of loop of songs it it would get quite grating after a while this is a week in the weege now how important are the words that you use to describe a working mum we've been hearing from a Kilmarnock mum on the impact it's had on her yeah so research has found that half of working women feel words like mumpreneur are patronising and unhelpful. It's a word I've actually never heard of. No, me neither. According to this study, it's been used for more than 10 years to describe those who combine motherhood with running their own businesses. The, The survey also found almost half of those asked think it stops them being taken Seriously, so we spoke to Karen Simpson. Um, like Selena said, she's from Kilmarnock. She's a wedding photographer and a childminder. For the childminding, most people treat it as it's not actually a real job. And when people come up with terms like mumpreneur and whatever else, it is very it de- devalues what we actually do for a living. With the weddings in particular, it's looked down upon. Feel that especially videographers are quite funny because I can be a woman it's it's more of well you don't know what you're doing you're a woman or you're just a mum out hobbying getting money it's already quite hard for women to to start up their own businesses it's really the only reason why for instance I started childminding was so I could be at home with my child the photography was for me I started that up for me that was what I really enjoyed doing So the research also says a quarter of working mums had been subject to blatantly sexist comments and almost half felt they'd been patronised by another person. I'm not a mum myself. No, This isn't something that I can relate to, but I sympathise with her frustration because 
why do we need words like mumpreneur? We don't have no, dadpreneurs. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? There's no distinction between dads and men in the workplace that also have children. It's just nobody cares. No, so I don't see why there should be that distinction for women. It doesn't make a difference. And I think it's really disappointing to hear that people make Karen feel like she's just out hobbying when she's, you know, at these weddings doing doing what she she does. You wouldn't um, call, you know, a female lawyer. You wouldn't ask her if it was a hobby. Mm, exactly. So, you know, I, I, I can completely understand why she feels devalidated by those kind of comments. Absolutely. A week in the week. Well, that almost brings us to the end of the show. But before we go, it's time to find out how good our Glasgow geography is as we play Where in the Weed. I'm going to get you this week. Mm, you probably will. <laughs> I think I've just been lucky before. Yes. Yeah, so what's the score? Where are we at? Was it two and a half to, to one? One or yeah. A, we it, had an obscure score yeah, because I was being petty. It doesn't matter what the score is, really. All no. that really matters is the fact that you are winning and I know <laughs> that for a fact that I'm not. In the off chance you have missed 16 episodes of Week in the Week. First of all, where you been? Secondly, every week one of us takes a turn to guess what part of Glasgow and the West the other is talking about based on three clues if we get it right on the first clue it's three points second clue it's two and then the third clue it's one there's a running tally and this week it's Selena's turn in the hot seat so I have some clues for you here on my mobile because I was easy clues I was looking them up while you were talking there um so this place was once known as Bishop's Forest. Selena, where am I? Bishopton. No. <laughs> I feel that was a reasonable guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I actually don't think I would have even went there. So I thought you done. were just being really kind to no. me. <laughs> so this one is a geography clue. You know how we like a geography clue? Do we? So this area is on the north bank of the River Clyde and forms the southwestern edge of the city centre. It's on the north of the River Clyde and forms the southwestern edge of the city centre. Yeah, remember your compass, so never eat shredded wheat. No, 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 I, I know that, but it's just, it would help if we had a camera here right now because I'm <laughs> trying to visualise where exactly I am. Um, southwest of the city centre? Yes. I don't know, I'm thinking kind of Clyde side down near like Pacific Key sort of area, but it can't be that. Mm, so, last clue. Mm-hmm. Billy Connolly is from this area. I'm going to get absolutely slaughtered. I don't know this. <laughs> well, I always lose at this, so it may or may not have made it intentionally a little bit hard. Is he from Govan or Pollock or Ibrox or somewhere around that area? <laughs> Selena, I am in Anderson. No, oh, no, I wouldn't have got that. Now that I'm saying that, the, all those places I just named are below the river. So that was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I apologise, so, Sir Billy Connolly, if you're listening. Yeah. If you are, I'm very impressed. Sir, <laughs> Sir Billy Connolly be listening to... Everybody listens to Week in the Week, obviously. Of course. Yeah, 100%. That's where he gets all these Glasgow news from. <laughs> a Week in the Week is a Radio Clyde news production. For the latest around the clock, follow on Twitter at Radio Clyde News. We could just keep talking forever and ever and ever. We could, as we have done before. Yeah, let's not though. Let's not. Let's. It's yeah. close to Christmas. Everyone's tired. You're tired. <laughs> so very tired. <laughs> so, in the interests of kindness to everyone, 
That brings us to the end of today's Week in the Weeds. Join us again next time, which will probably be a couple of weeks away now. No, next week. Are we doing one next week? Are you here next week? Oh, of course. That's after, that's after Christmas. And that's after Boxing Day. Yes. Well, join us again next week for the biggest stories across Glasgow and the West. And, and don't... Have a lovely Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> you can see what's on my mind. Yeah. Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. Christmas, Christmas. Uh, well, you're at it. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Subscribe on iTunes. And we will see you next week on A Week in the Weed. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. We should have got a